Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast presented by First Federal. It's Thursday, September 15th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. College football continues this weekend, and the Sunflower State Power 5 programs have some wind in their sails. Kansas State and Kansas are coming off big victories and take momentum into games this weekend against Tulane and Houston. Missouri, not so much. The Tigers lost big at Kansas State last week, and although Mizzou should get better this weekend against Abilene Christian, the daunting SEC schedule awaits. On today's show, Kellis Robinette is here to talk Wildcats, and Gary Bedore will break down the Jayhawks. Then we'll hear from Missouri coach Eli Drinkwitz, who said one bad game doesn't define his team. Okay, let's get started. Kellis, before we look ahead, let's take a uh, quick glance back at the, at the, the Wildcats' 40-12 to 12 victory over Missouri. I think we both went into that game thinking – it wouldn't be like that, that Kansas State would win, but it wouldn't be like that. What was, you know, I know both schools are trying to forget about that outcome, but for different reasons. Um, is Kansas State this good? Uh, well, they they might be. Um, I mean, they played a heck of a game against Missouri and really ground, ground the Tigers in, into the ground. It was uh, impressive to watch, but I will say I was maybe a little bit more struck at just how bad Missouri played than how good Kansas State did. I mean, the second half, when, when you have one team uh, dropping back to pass on four consecutive drives and throwing four consecutive interceptions, um, that's just a bad day at the office. And who knows how much of that was related to the weather. Uh, there was rain. Kansas State quarterback Adrian Martinez has said uh, in the days since then, it was pretty much impossible to throw the ball. So he was happy to not try as that game went on. And that's pretty much all Missouri was doing in the second half. Um, throwing in and up, uh, just giving the ball to Kansas State on turnovers. So, um, you know, I, is Missouri going to play that poorly every week? Probably not. Um, but Kansas State did look good. They had a lot to do with it. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of where I'm where I'm at. A good a good showing, but if uh, you you put Kansas State Missouri back out there on a neutral field in good weather, um, I don't know that it's quite that lopsided. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I don't think Missouri was was as well prepared as Kansas State, and we're going to hear from Eli Drinkwitz later in the show. We'll give we'll get his perspective on on the game. But um, all right, uh, Tulane is the next opponent. Tulane coached by a local product, Willie Fritz. Tell us about his background a little bit. Yeah, he grew up in Kansas City, went to high school in the area, played football at Pittsburgh State. Coached at uh, Coffeyville, I believe, the junior college level. Coached at Central Michigan. Um, coached at Blinn College, where Michael Bishop once played. I mean, uh, it's kind of crazy how many connections he's got to to, to this state and the, the schools around here. Um, his name always seems to get brought up as you know, like a, a secondary candidate every time Kansas and Kansas State have a have an opening. Not that Kansas State has had many, um, more more so with Kansas, but anytime they've been looking for a football coach, like a, a guy who's on the list, but maybe not at the top, as it always seems to be Willie Fritz. He's at Tulane right now. Um, he, he's done a, a pretty good job there. He's taken them to three bowl games. They are coming off a down season where they only won twice, but he, he looks it looks like he's got them going good again now. They're 2-0 um, with, with a couple of lopsided wins, albeit against uh, Massachusetts, which is one of the worst <laughs> FBS teams in the country, and Alcorn State, which uh, without Steve McNair, uh, I'm, I'm not – not much of a believer in them either. You know, uh, I'll give you another connection. His, he has a son who's the age of my son. And when he was at central Missouri, 
um, over in Warrensburg. Um, he was, a, he was an athlete over there and my son was playing baseball and they got to know each other a little bit. So, um, so our, our kids know each other, but, uh, he's doing a very nice job at Tulane over the years. And you're right. Whenever a job in this part of the country opens up a power five job, his name has been associated with it, but, um, happy to see him doing well at, at Tulane. This isn't a, I guess now that we think about things in terms of betting at times and wagering, um, maybe gamblers would call this a potential letdown. Um, or I mean, even coaches would, would say a potential letdown spot for K-State. What's the line and and what do you think about that possibility? Well, th- this line has been pretty interesting. Um, when it very first came out, um, Circus Sports on – Sunday, which I believe was the first uh, sports book to put out a line for this game, had Kansas State favored by 20, which uh, had some people thinking, whoa, you know, that's, that's maybe a smidge high, two undefeated teams, Tulane's got a pretty good offense, maybe it won't be the easiest thing in the world for Kansas State to win by three touchdowns. But since then, the line's been going way down. It was pretty much immediately 16, and then today when I looked, you could find some places where it's under two touchdowns at 13 and a half which um, is surprising to me. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that that much money is coming on Tulane or um, there's some reason that odds makers have uh, shifted that down. Um, I, I, I think Kansas State, um, I think they're going to run on Tulane. I think they're going to move the ball just fine. I think their defense is good enough that they're not going to give up enough points for that, uh, for that number to really be in question. I, it, it's interesting in the span of a couple of days, um, it's gone from, you know, looking like a, a line that you might want to bet Tulane on to now a line where you certainly want to bet K-State on, at least in my mind. So it uh, just kind of goes to show the differences in if you're making your bets like the second the lines come out versus if you wait uh, all the way up to game time. It's all fascinating stuff that we pay closer attention to now these days. Sports wagering is, is legal in in Kansas. Okay, there's some off-field stuff that you and I need to catch up on. Um, and I'll be asking Gary Bedore about this later in the show uh, because Gary covers Kansas. And the one thing that the Jayhawks and Wildcats have in common this week, in addition to being both being 2-0 and and coming off of big victories, is these are potential coaches that might be interested in the Nebraska job that is now open because the Huskers fired uh, Scott Frost, after Saturday's game, the, their loss to Georgia Southern. What is Chris, he was asked about it. Chris Kleiman was. What did he have to say? Um, he was uh, much more open about it than uh, I thought he would be, which uh, may, maybe that shouldn't come as a surprise because when, because when he was at North Dakota State and people asked him about potentially being linked to the Kansas State job, uh, he was very open about that. You know, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to them. I probably will talk to them. Um, after he interviewed, he came out and said, I interviewed, you know, they people talk to these other people. Um, it's great for us reporters to listen to all yeah, this. It's yeah. a great peek behind the scenes. Um, so uh, for him to be that open, I think it's, uh, you know, some when you hear coaches and asked about this stuff, it's it's kind of, it's kind of silly, you know, three, three games into a season, we're asking somebody about potentially leaving for a different job. It's, it's crazy. But when he was asked about this, it was basically like the floor is yours. If you want to say something about it, be our guest. Um, and and he came out and said, you know what? Um, I, I really like it here at Kansas state. Um, and I love working for Gene Taylor. He's my guy, you know, didn't come out and say he absolutely wasn't, wouldn't take the job or any of that stuff, but he certainly did not sound like a coach who's looking to leave anytime soon. And uh, just for me personally, I, I don't know how 
great of a fit they would be at Nebraska. There's a lot of uh, extracurricular stuff that goes on there where you're not just coaching football. You have to be out and be a, uh, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? An ambassador. Uh, or- yeah, an ambassador, an ambassador for the entire state. You're the biggest public figure around. There's, there's no, uh, there's no privacy like you would have in Kansas state that it, there are some jobs I could see him leaving for, but that, that one, um, I, I'm not, I'm not so sure. And, and, you know, I'm not so sure Nebraska even has him super high on their list, but for right now, I would think uh, there's not much concern. I think another time and place, if he was still the North Dakota state coach, that it would make it would make more sense um, kind of coming off of however many national championships it would be by now. But he's got a good thing going at Kansas State. Fans like him, and and you just don't give up good situations. And he's got a good situation going there um, in, in Manhattan. And the the one thing I would not overlook is that he has a very friendly contract at the moment um, his buyouts four million dollars which obviously Nebraska could afford if they wanted to but right now the the pressure here I mean pressure Nebraska is basically you know win 10 games yeah you know you get us get us somewhere back to where we used to be or else you're gone um, here it's written in his contract that every time he wins eight games he gets an extra year added on at the end of it and a cool four million bucks um, <laughs> I mean that's uh, they're going to give you that in Nebraska. So. No, if you get that deal, grab it. Grab it. <laughs> okay, one other one other piece of uh, news here. <laughs> I just I love what happens on social media when teams suggest or run out new uniforms, and that's where we are with Kansas State. They have they are putting out at least a for for Saturday's game a new look. And helmets are different. Pants are different. Um, wh- why do people get so excited about this? That is a great question. Um, nothing. It's funny because most people who watch football could care less about fashion in their real lives. I feel like <laughs> most of the time, I mean, I'm a great example. Most of the time I'm wearing a shirt and shorts right now. Uh, yeah, but, much but it's a cool shirt. It's a Houston yeah, Oilers I mean, throwback. Yeah, it's a Houston yeah. Oilers classic shirt. I, yeah, I got a little fashion going on, but I'm, I'm not, you know, going out to the store buying suits and ties and making myself look as dapper as possible, unless it's a really super occasion. But then you show me somebody's uniform, and I'm like, you know, I'm all knit. I, I can nitpick to the to the end of time. You should have done this differently. What's with that color? Why is this here? Um, for whatever reason, football brings out the fashion side in man. And we love talking about it. We love obsessing about it. And the thing that makes it so interesting, I think, at uh, Kansas State is there just haven't been many uniform changes over the years. Ever since Bill Snyder came in, he he had the look that he wanted in mind. He designed, redesigned the football uniforms so that they would look similar to the Dallas Cowboys, just with purple instead of blue. They won games with them. He saw no reason to change them, so he never did. Um, and everyone here is just jealous, you know, that Oregon does all these cool things. And even Kansas does all these cool things. All the surrounding schools have these alternate uniforms. It's just never really changes at Kansas State. So when they when they put out something new, whether it's just the switch from gray helmets to white, from the power cat to the old school Willie, um, it, it's a big deal around here. Um, I think the hunger and the reaction you see to this is a sign that they should do it more than they currently do. But um, I, it it, get, it always gets a reaction. It was funny as soon as they put out that um, 
that first teaser that something was on the way. Nobody really knew, you know, is it a new sticker, new helmet, brand new uniforms? Right. The internet was set ablaze with what it could be. So <laughs> people care no matter what they say. They they do, and it, it turns even the most hardcore football fan into a uh, fashionista. All right, so it's it's white pants since um, people can't see uh, a podcast. White pants, and it's a white helmet with the old old school Willie the Wildcat logo on it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. The, I, I the love sweater, that logo, but the sweater, the pennants, and you know, interestingly, uh, Bill Snyder told me one time when he came in, um, he got some flack because that's that's what the logo had always been at Kansas State was, uh, yeah. Uh, cartoonish wildcat that people liked but um he just did not he didn't think it, it uh, instilled a whole lot of pride in football um and he wanted to change that give them something new you know a new identity whatever um he he brought in some help of an artist and made the power cat look uh strikingly similar to the iowa hawkeye and they started winning and all of a sudden that was you know back in the day that was just the football logo and then it became the basketball logo and then the volleyball logo and then the school logo so um, there's certainly no mistaking the value that that logo has to this university, but it's fun to uh, mix it up every once in a while. And I, I like to see it. Heck yeah. They can sell more gear when you, when you mix up the uniform. So, okay. Well, Kellis, uh, thanks for all the insights and we're going to, uh, take a break. And when we come back, you will hear from Gary Bedore who covers Kansas. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Gary Bedore is here. We're going to talk KU football. Gosh, Gary, by this time in any other year, we'd, we'd talk a little football, but we'd mostly talk basketball because the season would be you know, all signs would point to a miserable season. Well, it's, it's just the opposite this year. Not that there's not interest in basketball. Of course there is, but there's a lot to talk about with this KU football team. 2-0, and coming off the win at West Virginia. I think we both had a feeling last week that it could happen. I wouldn't have gone so far as to predict it or to bet on it, which you can do now in Kansas, legally. Yeah. 
Um, but what a what a great win for the Jayhawks, and it's a team with a lot of confidence now, isn't it? Yes, and uh, that victory, uh, Kansas trailed fourteen zip. Yep. So at the start, you were kind of thinking, "Oh, is this going to be like last year and the many years before, where they're going to get blown out?" I didn't have a definitive feel that it was going to be a blowout at that point, but I, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised. And then Kansas comes all the way back, appears to have dominating momentum and West Virginia rallied in the last five minutes to force overtime. And you're thinking, are you kidding me? KU's going to lose this thing in overtime and it's just going to be a moral victory, but no, uh, Great job in overtime, helped by a penalty. Right. They get the touchdown pass. I think it was Skinner from Daniels. And now Kobe Bryant intercepts West Virginia. KU has the exciting win. And uh, like they had a press session today, and I, I was saying to some of the players, man, if you guys can beat Houston, 3-0 and going into home games. Can you imagine they're – there has to be excitement around here at that point. I mean, there is some now, but if they beat Houston and then are looking at the Duke game, what if they go four and zero? They'll certainly be ranked at that point. Yeah, I, I you'd have to. I'm a poll. I vote in the top twenty five. I would clearly have to consider it. There, if they win this week, that would be big because Houston has been in the polls up until this week. They they dropped out after losing to. Texas Tech, but they had been in the preseason poll and then the the early polls. They're I think they're predicted to win their conference, aren't they? Yes, they're predicted to win it, and they were ranked last week, I think, twenty fourth, as you know. Um, so to win two straight road games, uh, I think most people think West Virginia, though they're probably going to have a bad season, isn't that bad a team? So to win, if they were to win two straight road games. And be three and zero, maybe not be ranked next week. Probably, I don't know. You would know more about that, but four and zero, maybe going into the Iowa State game, both teams would be ranked. Possibly, you know, um, it it strikes me that this is the first time you can make a case that this is the first time since. Mark Mangino and Todd Reesing that Kansas has had a coach quarterback duo like they have right now with Lance Leipold and, and Jalen Daniels. They just people that you trust in those positions. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the, starting with the, the way last season ended and carrying into this season, um, it just shows you what it takes to win in college football or to, to win college football games. And Kansas, has that right now. Yes. Uh, Jalen Daniels has appeared on a couple guys Heisman lists, I believe. <laughs> uh, not laughing because of his ability or personality, just at comparing this to other years. Yeah. Just, yep. uh, he's really efficient. He hasn't thrown a zillion touchdown passes, but he's only got one interception, I think. And uh, is leading an offense. Now you got to throw in Tennessee Tech, but leading an offense to 52 or 53 points a game, which is fourth in the country in scoring. But if you throw in Kobe Bryant's 12 points, 
in two games. They lead the country in scoring at 55. So uh, Daniels runs the offense, and they added a uh, option play, an option scheme against West Virginia, and it worked. The running back still had good games, and Daniels gained a lot of yards rushing to go with passing. So now the coach looking really good. I mean, what can you say? Uh, they had a, everybody thought they had a great preseason camp. They were anxious to test it in games. And as of right now, it looks like they could be competitive in a lot of games. Who knows though? I mean, like last week when we talked, we don't know at this point. Right. Well, another thing they're doing really well is running the ball. Um, I saw your, I saw your number on that. How many rushing touchdowns and, um, and, and then Devin Neal's been so good. What they, they are, this is the way kind of big boy college football teams win by, you know, running behind a stout offensive line and having success on the ground. Yeah. In rushing, um, Devin Neal's five touchdowns leads, uh, it's either his five overall or four rushing lead the country in touchdowns. He's the the first guy at KU to have five in two games since Jake Sharp wow. had five in 2009. And then first to have four rushing scores since John Cornish in 2005. He went up to Canada and I think had a great career, yeah. uh, Cornish. But this option has to – to give Houston's coaches some things to worry about because we've seen Daniels is pretty good passer, really good passer maybe. And with these running backs on the option, Daniels taking off is a, is a possibility now at any time they have, they hid that in the opener. They didn't use that against Tennessee tech. So that's coaching too, Lance Leipold using going with his personnel so uh yep that i i think he's shown all signs of being a good coach obviously all right so i asked this of kellis robinette uh earlier and it's something that that ku and k-state have in common this week and that is their head coaches are being mentioned on every list as a possible successor to scott frost at nebraska frost of course was uh, fired this past weekend uh, from the Huskers. Uh, Lance Leipold was asked about it this week. What did he have to say? Uh, it was the first question in yesterday, in Monday's <laughs> press conference, and he just quickly said, almost interrupted the end of the question, um, I'm just thinking about preparing my team for Houston. Thanks for asking. So uh, he was polite about it. Um that's another thing, you know, uh, I guess as Nebraska's search goes on, it'll start to leak out who they want. And if they want Lance Leipold, you would th think he would be interested. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the guy. And uh, all I know is, is that sometimes coaches that are ball coaches for lifers that love football, look at Nebraska like a lot of basketball coaches would look at Kansas or North Carolina. 
I mean, Nebraska's been down and have pro- some problems being in the Big Ten, it looks like, because they haven't done much at all. But it's still Nebraska. Leipold worked there under Frank Solich. He also worked at Nebraska Omaha, right. which, which now I think is just Omaha. So I don't know what's going to happen, but from a Kansas perspective, it would for their fans and everything, if KU keeps this improvement going on, it'd be a real shame if uh, that happens that he would leave. And it would also be a shame if at some point it became a distraction if KU keeps winning games, you know. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, it's something we'll certainly keep an eye on as the season unfolds. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave on this note. I saw a tweet. I can't remember where I saw it, but um, so far this football season, the combined records of Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, Syracuse, and Indiana are fifteen and zero. <laughs> so, oh. who's to say basketball schools can't win in football at least uh, yeah. early on? <laughs> Yeah, what what is Duke's record? How's Duke? How's Duke doing? Duke, Duke's undefeated. I don't know if they're two and zero or three and zero, but they they haven't lost yet. I think three and zero, and, and, and I think they they beat Northwestern and I want to say Vanderbilt, but I don't have it in front of me here. And um, wow. and Kentucky's already got it turned around under under uh, Mark Stoops, you know, the youngest Stoops brother, uh, and of course Mac Brown's at North Carolina, and uh, yeah. So, you know, I've always believed that you can win in in both sports. You may not be able to be, you know, what Florida was that one year where they won the football and the basketball championships. Uh, but there's no reason why a school that we consider basketball schools can't yeah. have bowl teams, right? You know, they may not be playing for national championships in football, but they can get to bowl games. And, and maybe Kansas is is on that trail this year. We'll have to see. All right, Gary, appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. See you later. Now let's hear from Missouri head coach Eli Drinkwitz. Coach, getting back here, did you feel like that energy of, you know, this is a new week, or was that kind of immediate energy that you felt in practice and lived this morning as well? Yeah, I think, um, again, it's an opportunity for us to grow uh, and, you know, put the things that are behind us behind us and move on to the future. And that's really all you can control. Um, and so I think that's the focus of our team. Um, yeah. Eli, I'm looking back over the, the film. Was there something consistent that you felt like held the offense back or was it more of one thing here, one thing there? Yeah, it, there was a lot of inconsistencies. It was uh, a lot of uh, not 11 people on the same page. And offensively, you got to have 11 people acting as one in order to be successful. Uh, and that starts with me finding a rhythm for the offense. And, and uh, that's something that we can grow in and work on. I know every, every individual kind of handles it differently. What's your sense for how Brady handles, you know, the, the coming off a rough game and the criticism that comes with that and how he kind of processes that? Yep, praise and blame are all the same. Yeah, you can't get caught up either way. You can't read the message boards when they're good, and you can't read them when they're bad. Um, the reality of it is he defines his own success by the standard that he performs and the standard that we perform as a team. And uh, we were below that standard, uh, but it doesn't have to define us. One game is not the season. Um, and I think everybody this day and age is real quick to want to make snap judgments. And after a, after a glimpse, uh, we're two football games in. Uh, had some really good, had some really bad. Um, but um, 
you know, there's an old Bill Parcells quote that talks about, um, you know, losers assemble in groups and complain. And I would add, get on Twitter and message boards and, and, uh, and have all the answers. And winners assemble as a team and find ways to win. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to assemble as a team and find ways to win. And we're not going to focus on the toxicity or neg negativity. That has nothing to do with winning and won't produce in any type of outcome for us that we want it to be. So our focus is how do we circle up as a coaching staff, as a player, as a Mizzou football program, and find ways to win. Watching film, what, was there anything that stuck out on the film that maybe didn't during the game? Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities for growth. And we addressed those yesterday, and, and now it's time to, to grow today and, and move on to towards ACU. When you look at that second half, what that defense was able to do, was there anything, once you were able to look back at it, that, that you liked what you saw in that second half? On defense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought they ran to the fight in the third quarter, obviously got put in some bad situations um, and played really hard um, and were able to keep us in the game for as long as they possibly could. So, I, yeah, I thought there was a lot of positives. There's a lot of things to get corrected off the tape. Um, like I said, after the game, we started slow on in all three phases. And uh, it's an opportunity for us to grow this week and get better. You know, how, how important how do you kind of get the running game going? Um, yeah, you know, there's a, there was a, a part in, this, in the game where we went six straight attempts without a, a run. Two of them were RPOs that could have been runs. And so I think, you know, got to do a better job of getting that going, especially on the road. Um, has not been a problem in the past. Don't foresee that being a problem in the future. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's something we get back to the identity of who we are and, and get better at it. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were were good Sunday, and and um, they're going to be good today. I think their their message is the same that I'm giving to you: a new week, new opportunity on an awful young season. Eli, do you still feel good about, I guess, the foundation of the offense after Saturday? This is more tweaks that need to be done. Yeah, I, I have no problems with the offense. We didn't get it done on on um, Saturday, and and uh, we're two weeks into the season with. Um, you know, a lot of opportunity for growth. When you're uh, saying taking the blame and saying you need to do a better job putting mm -hmm. them in position, you, you said this summer, you know, that, that you needed to kind of open it up. Is that what you mean, or is it, hey, you got to find out what these guys do well? Both. Yep, both. I opened it up and we turned the ball over too much. So that's on me. Um, and, and maybe it was, uh, yeah, it's on me. It's on me. I got to design it better. So. Um, there's plenty of opportunity for growth. Have no uh, reservations about what we're doing on offense uh, schematically. One bad game doesn't define who we are. Um, so. What are some things that you expect to see, maybe expect to learn from the team this week? How we respond. We, we get to control our response. Um, to whatever the event is, you get to control your res response and create the outcome that you want. Um, and you can either listen to the outside noise and the criticism and believe that uh, and affect your mood and affect your mentality and affect your belief in your teammates or you can continue on what you set out to do which is to be, be a team circle up and, and continue that belief in each other continue that belief in what we're building and continue that belief in what we're trying to be for this season um, you know growth 
is not normally linear. It's normally all over the place. And whether or not we want it to be that way or not is not real life. Um, the, the reality of it is, though, when you're in this profession, in this sport, uh, the criticism and critiques are grander and it's louder and you have to ignore it. Uh, otherwise, you get caught up in that and it affects your mental health and it affects your mental uh, well-being, which is then going to result in affecting your performance. And it's nothing wrong. It's just th this is a, a different thing that we, everybody in college football, in football in general, is dealing with. Um, the amount of noise in social media, whether it's Friday night on high school games, Saturday on uh, college games, or Sunday in NFL games, the amount of noise, half of those teams are getting drilled. And you have to figure out as a staff and as players how to insulate yourself from the criticism and still focus on what you control, which is your performance. Give us an idea of how you tell kids to do that then, because they're, just, they're 20 and they live on their phone. Exactly. The only thing I can do is point it out. What we do with that is, is up to us, you know. Um, but you point it out. I've had a lot of messages directed at me. I have no idea. I haven't seen them. I'm, I'm, it, it, I refuse to let that stuff uh, affect me right now because the best that I can be for my team is to believe in my team, believe in myself, and believe in our staff. And I'm not going to let the outside noise affect us. Um, we have a direction that we're going. Would we like to be there faster? Absolutely. Are we there yet? Nope. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there. And I have unwavering belief in that. Um, doesn't mean that we don't confront the realities of where we're at, which is a, a bad loss. But it, it happened. Now all we can control is the response that we have. Um, and you can either believe in the negativity or believe in the positive that, that we have moving forward. And that's what I'm going to choose to believe. You know, special teams, where do you feel like you guys making progress? Where are some concerns you have? Well, um, we're, we're just not in sync with the distance that we're kicking the ball and the coverage that we have uh, in, in our punt coverage. Uh, you know, we had some inconsistencies in the distance of the punt. The first punt was a 28-yarder. You know, we had another punt that we covered that was kicked nearly out of bounds, and then the other punt was uh, we didn't get guys down. So we've got to do a better job of creating ways to get gunners free uh, if we're going to continue to punt the ball that far. Um, and we've got to be more consistent in uh, changing up the, the landmark of our, our, our punt team. Um, our kickoff coverage, you know, uh, we kicked in the wind the first time. Sean made a great tackle. Our uh, kickoff return game, you know, we had one that, that almost got out. Um, and, our, and our punt return, um, we didn't field the ball the way we need to, uh, which caused a couple of, uh, I think we lost about 55 yards from not fielding punts, and so um, we'll be looking to create competition in that position this week. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett, and to our sponsor, First Federal. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette and Gary Bedore for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was 42 pages today. Great stuff about tonight's Chiefs-Chargers game and so much more. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.